0: Hello and welcome at Book Lover's Companion. My name is Edith, and right next to me again, no chattering teacup who is doing tea things again, no CEO who is enjoying another horizontal life pause. But here with me from across the bonds, poet, writer, and artist Jerry Burbeck. Hello, Jerry, and welcome at Book Lover's Companion.
1: Hello. Nice to be here.
0: <laughs> nice to have you on. And we are here because your book The Space Between Dreaming came out about a year ago, didn't it?
1: Yes, I released it at the beginning of 2023 after working on it most of the previous most of the previous year, so 2022.
0: Yep. Ooh. Jerry, what can you tell our listeners about this book, about the characters, about the story?
1: This book is about really two women who are holding on to dreams that they have for their lives. And they're holding on so tightly that they just can't embrace the good things that life has to offer them right now. You know, we all sometimes have those ideas of what a dream might be like. And we go for it and we're focused on it. And then we're missing all the good things that are happening right now. And the reality of our life might be a little bit different than we envisioned, but that doesn't mean it's bad. So these women, even though they're both different, they're different ages, they come together um, and they meet and become friends and they help each other realize you know, the things that they're kind of Looking past and um and it has some really sweet characters. It's about one woman who is older and she's gone she's gone through years of infertility and she's now, you know, heading towards fifty and she's trying to decide what her life looks like. Then we have another woman who's in like her thirties and-, and she's focused so hard on different aspects of her life she doesn't realize her boyfriend is a louse and you know, she's just thinking. Well, I've got to get married, and I've got, to, you know, she's got these ideas of ch- checking off what what her life should be like. And then, you know, there's this really sweet older lady who's in her 80s, and this lady kind of helps these two women along their path. And then there is a painting because, of course, I'm an artist, and I had to put a painting in the book. It helps these women too. Just the creation of it. As they look at the painting, they get to think about different things in their life. And so it's really the story about how you use these different pieces to kind of heal and move forward, take pieces of your life that you didn't like and yet grow from them and heal from them and still develop this beautiful life. And it's really about the journey between friendship with these two women and everything they go through.
0: Would it be correct to say that both women are searching for something because they have in a way in a slight way um, similar experiences with family definitely i, I mean I, I mean it's a bit far fetched because you know but but it felt it felt similar for me when i read it
1: we have grace who's the older lady who's gone through infertility and she just wants a family cuz she didn't have one you know she was grew up in foster care, and she had different elements of family even then, but they weren't what she wanted. What she wanted was you know a mom and a dad and you know this traditional type of family and then she gets married and she meets us but she wants more than that, and it doesn't happen for them, and they go through all these things and um and the other girl, Jane, who's younger. Um, had that family, a mom and a dad and a sister, but yet what she thinks of as a traditional family. So she's still looking for that too. And I mean, these elements of, I think they're all about belonging and wanting to be, you know, part of this, what we think of as ideal situation. We might look at other people's families and think, yeah, I want to be part of that, something like that. When really we've all got goofy families and we all have different experiences Nothing's perfect, but life. It that doesn't mean life isn't beautiful right what we have, even though it might be different from something else. So family is definitely a key point of this book. Mm,
0: and I suppose one could also say the question, what makes a family? Because at the end of the book, um, especially Grace has to realize there is more to family than what she thought it might be after searching all her life for, uh, you know, the perfect family.
1: Exactly. I mean, she has this beautiful life, this beautiful marriage that she, I don't think, really appreciated as much as she could have. She kind of took it for granted. Okay, now now I've got the husband, so now I'm going to get the family. And she didn't realize that he was part of that. He was her family. And then, you know, in meeting Jane, she kind of sees that Jane lives in this building with the older lady. And, um, you know, even this relationship that Jane has with Mrs. Furch, who's the landlady, even that is family-like in nature. And so Grace kind of learns from this and sees that, yeah, there can be different ways to have family. It doesn't have to be people who are related to you. It can be people that, you know, I mean, God is bringing into your life that you are gonna have and maybe they they aren't, you know, genetically related, but really that's not gonna matter when it comes to love. And that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, exactly. I especially like the landlady, the meddling old old woman in the background, uh, who keeps going and going on. Where where did she come from? Is this someone from your family, a friend of your family, an aunt maybe? Where did she come from?
1: I wish it was somebody that I knew or somebody from my family. Um, The name Mrs. Virch is my great grandmother's name. So I took that from that, but she's nothing (laughs) like my great grandmother at all. Um, My great grandmother was a nice German lady, but she was not, um, you know, she was, she didn't have that kind of like personable um, attributes. that the fictional character does. Um, And I guess I just patterned this woman in the book after somebody that I wish I could be if I'm blessed with that many years. And somebody who's wise, and she's kind of like, you just get the sense that she's very comfortable with her life, and she's happy, and she wants other people to be happy. And there isn't anything kind of negative or snarky or, you know, anything like that about her. She's just really delightful and lovely. And she blends so well with younger people and people of different ages. And I guess that's who I thought, wow, that would be great to be a person like that um, at some point in my life. (laughs) So that's what I patterned it after.
0: And they do get away with a lot, don't they? I mean, elderly people. Isn't Isn't that what we all strive for? I mean, when we become a certain age to get away with whatever we say.
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think she, you know, she talks with Jane and she's rambling and going on and on. And if there was a younger person doing that, Jane would probably be like, look, I don't have time, but there's something really charming about it when Mrs. Furch does it, you know, and she just kind of sits back and listens to her ramble about her coffee and all the different things she's doing. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're older, you get away with stuff. Yeah, yeah and, and
0: and like you said, she has a lot of wisdom to spread.
1: <laughs> yes, definitely.
0: Of, of and, a life, lived.
1: Always, she's learned. You know, we find out a little bit at the end that she's gone through things too. But mm-hmm. it's almost like in the beginning of the book, you don't realize that because it just seems like she's somebody that's always had a bunch of good things happen to her. So that's why she's so wise. And then I think you realize yeah she's had some hard stuff too but she's just learned to kind of make the best of it and then embrace the good things that are there which is such a lesson in life cuz I think we're always searching for you know something that's better when really we're being given th- uh, this unique life each of us that um we can celebrate you know just in our own whatever our own circumstances are there are things to celebrate in them.
0: Wouldn't you agree that we do have to experience hardship to appreciate the good things in life? Otherwise, they wouldn't mean as much as they as they do if we haven't, so to speak, seen the other side.
1: Right. I think that's exactly it. Like, you know, you go through things and you think, why did I have to go through that? And yet it makes you more empathetic towards other people. Um, you know, the hard things that I've been through in life make me, I don't want to repeat them. But at the same time, when somebody's talking about their life, you know, I have this natural, you know, ability to just go with them, like, you know, understand their feelings. I feel like it makes me less judgy because I've been through so much that if somebody's going through so much. I feel like I can sit there with them and just really understand what they're feeling. And then, yeah, that's the point of it. It's like, okay, I wish I didn't go through all this, but at the same time, would I be the same person? So it's like when you look back at your life and you think, I wish this didn't happen or I didn't have to go through this, well, you that's a dangerous thing because then are you going to be the same person? Are you going to have the same things that you have now? Hmm. You know, that's always the question, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, you had you had a great-grandmother, who was from Germany, you would have liked her to be like that. And I came to think of my great-grandmother, and she certainly knew hardship, but the little I remember of her was that she was a very kind and and, and loving person. And she was never, how shall I put it, she was never looking at life in a negative
1: way. I love that books can do that, right? That they can make you think of your own life and just have you reflect on like i always do that i read a book and then i think wow that really makes me think of you know my own family or my own friends or whatever and yeah when you have an older lady like that in a book i always think you know my grandmother too like yours was somebody that i mean she was kind she wasn't very warm mm-hmm. you know she wasn't naturally a warm person but she was kind and she had been through a lot you know, you go through certain people of certain ages, Mm -hmm. they've been through so much. And then you hear about what they've been through. And it just seems so shocking. Like, what did you do to get through the Mm -hmm. war? What did you do when your husband had to go off and do this and you were left with all these kids? Like, you know, and then they just say it like, we just did it and we got through it. And, you know, you learn from that too. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I love that you thought of your grandma when you read the book because that makes me happy because, yeah, I thought of mine in writing it too, yeah.
0: (laughs) And comparing those two characters, Grace, Oh, those those three characters actually, um, it's a very female-centered book. Uh, I liked it as well. Um, Who of the three, looking back on writing, on the writing process, was the easiest for you to write and which one was the hardest for you to write?
1: Oh boy, I guess um, I guess the easiest was Mrs. Furch because it was this idealized um, version, you know, that I just wanted it to be a certain way. And so it became easier to create this imaginary woman. And then the other two imaginary people, I wanted them to really go through, like you could go through the struggle with them. So it was a little bit harder to write. Grace was hard to write because she's going through these emotional journeys. And I wanted to portray it without portraying her as this poor, like, the, I didn't want her to be a character you felt sorry for, but I wanted people to understand her journey. So that was difficult to keep that balance. And Jane was just very fun to write because, you know, I thought about my 30s and dating and all the crazy stories that used to happen. So that was just fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there were also some, yeah, I, I would say humorous aspects in your novel, especially when John was with Grace and they were at an event, especially this sort of Thanksgiving party, which wasn't a party. It was some strange thing. And he, he brought in the humorous sides of the whole thing because his co- comments were, so, were, were actually funny.
1: Oh yeah. I loved writing the interaction between John and Grace because they have this really great marriage, but then, you know, like they're different personalities and he just, he had those funny bits where he could kind of make her look at something differently. And they're at this crazy party that (laughs) You know, I think we've all been to places like that where it's like, what is this party? It's supposed to be a Thanksgiving party, but they don't have a turkey. Like, you know, I'm just thinking of my husband would be like, what? We're going to a Thanksgiving party with no turkey. Like, you know, the things he would have said (laughs) and you eat and, and get out of there. And, you know, Grace is concerned for Jane and there's all these emotional things she's going through. But John is dealing with the reality of there's no food here. Let's get out of here. You know,
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah, agree. I What's the, the point? between I mean,
1: those two. <laughs> what
0: what would be the point going to a party with no food? I mean, really, come on. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's also another character. Yeah, exactly. With...
1: Like you know, when you're, thinking... yeah, you're thinking like, what is happening here? Yeah. You know, like what is this for? Like you'd be so confused. Yeah.
0: Where where is the hidden camera actually? Okay. And, you know, I mean, this is, yeah, surreal a bit. Um, but there was also, you mentioned him before, um, the strange boyfriend of chains. I mean, I suppose really? people like that do exist.
1: A <laughs> Yeah, you know, in some ways, he is also, So in this dreamland of his own, I thought, you know, he's, I think he really did love Jane, but he's got this other situation and he's not really paying attention to it. And he's trying to pretend that it isn't what it is. And, um, you know, without giving too much away, it's just, he's living in this fantasy land where he's thinking he's going to just, he has, and if he had been honest, things might turn out differently, but he comes off as such a louse because he's not being honest because he's just, you know, and he doesn't want to let Jane in and he doesn't, he, like both sides of this relationship, His the thing he's got going on and Jane, it's like he's not honest with either side and so he doesn't have, you know, he doesn't have peace because mm. he can't be honest. <laughs> mm,
0: yeah, true. And may I also ask? Um as an artist and given the 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 starting of the novel do works of art I'm not talking ab- about books and characters but do works of art especially paintings have a life of their own in a way
1: well of uh, of course as an artist I feel like they do I mean you know I this was a dramatized you know developing of this painting but at the same time I thought you know it wasn't hard for me to imagine a painting being made and what the painting painting might come to life or know the creator that you know know the painter that was creating this work um i feel like it's it was an interesting element to think that a painting could have these magical um, you know elements to it where somebody could look at it and see things about their life or you know that this painting would know what its destiny is or you know something like that where it knows that it has value hard for me to go there as a painter that was one of the fun parts about writing the book because the painting then became another character which Mm -hmm. was really fun to do and what
0: was first? Were, were the characters there first or was the painting
1: first? The characters definitely were saying, when it came time to opening the book, actually, I really thought about um, having a painting to begin the story and end the story. I really wanted that. So even though the characters were first, that element of Um, the painting and I didn't want the painting throughout the book Um, I I wasn't sure if I really wanted that throughout the book but I liked having it begin and end with that painting because I felt like it just really like it was almost like the painting was observing observing these people's lives Mm -hmm. and telling the reader the story from their perspective Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and am I right to presume that
0: all your covers are Uh, created by yourself
1: yes yeah Mm -hmm. um you know i i really enjoy creating um and doing different types of works and experimenting with colors and pigment and inks and all different kinds of things so as an artist it was fun to kind of talk about that in a fictional work Mm -hmm. it was really fun to pull those parts of because i've been an artist and writers are in this project like Like that. Mm -hmm. And
0: you've written a lot of poems as well. And now we are talking about this novel of yours. When you think of writing a poem and writing a novel, what are the main for you as a writer, what are the main differences when you think of the process of creating this work?
1: Right. I feel like writing poetry for me is very similar to painting because. It involves just kind of letting go and letting things develop. I have a different process. When I write a book, like a novel, I'm more intentional. Um, I do an outline. I will have times. So I will have like this idea in my mind as I write. And then the journey then becomes seeing how these characters go from the beginning to the end. But I'll have that in mind before I write. Whereas when I write poetry, it's just very open. I, you know, will it might start randomly and then come. I call myself an intuitive painter, so I don't, I don't sit and look at something and paint it exactly. I paint from my imagination, and I'll take pieces that I see, like colors or the way the leaves flow in the breeze, or the way certain flowers, you know, are in a flower bed and how they interact with each other color wise or movement it might not look exactly like that but it, it's all from my imagination and I feel like poetry is more like that too so it's kind of two different creation process mm-hmm. different ways to approach it
0: mm-hmm. that begs, of course the question regarding your novel are you a planner are you a pencil are you in the middle
1: Right, a uh, yeah, a pantser or a plotter. Right, yeah. I um I am a planner. Um, and I'm not real, like I'm not real, um, like I don't know strict. And I mean, even like I wrote a children's book that was you know illustrations and words, and even with that I had storyboarded it, so it was planning. So when it when it's any type of that writing process, I do plan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. And I, I'm looking at the same time uh, on your website. To be honest, and there is this card game called Cupcake Commotion. Uh, what came to mind when I saw that and the title? For one thing, uh, my first question would be: Do you like to eat? And the second idea I had when when I saw the title again was. Okay, is this a sort of crime fiction game? Because cupcake commotion sounds a lot like crime fiction and someone might end up with his or her face in the cupcake.
1: (laughs) I like to play games and I like to paint. So I think all those things came together for creating this game. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be fun to create a card game where you bake cupcakes But then, you know, other people try and stop you, and you try and stop them, and that's really what it is. You are basically trying to bake half a dozen cupcakes, and there's cards that will stop your opponent, like cupcake, and it's just kind of crazy and really fun, and it was something that I thought about for many years, and then just decided to do it one day, and it's been really fun fun to play and to sell and it was one of those things I never thought I would do but it just kind of came together
0: (laughs) (laughs) as an artist my question would also be uh, like John do you often go to art fairs uh, where you sell your art and are you also second part of the question are you also a self-taught artist
1: yeah both of those are true I have been an artist since I was a kid I've never gone to art school or anything. So I'm self-taught and I do a lot of shows a year. It's part of my income stream. So, um, so that part of the book was very interacting with the people. And, and that was right from my own experience. Definitely Our, doing art shows is really interesting because I tend to be very introverted and like my husband will work with me and he's very extroverted So he's the one that just loves to talk to people in the booth. And I like to sit back and sketch, you know, (laughs) and and not really talk. But I like to observe and the book. Yeah.
0: I see. I see. And what about your experience with art galleries? Because one of your characters, Jane, she works in an art gallery. And I got the impression you have quite a bit of an experience also with that kind of promoting art?
1: Um. Yeah, I never worked in a gallery, but I do show in many galleries. So, and I go to a lot of exhibits and that piece of it comes from real life because, you know, I, I've been through a lot of different exhibits for myself and other artists and, you know, observed how we consume art and take it in and talk about it and stand before it and let it transform us and everything. And, you know, having Jane do this, I'm selling my art. And so I have that piece of it. Even though I haven't worked in a gallery, I understand like different elements you need to do in order to sell this stuff, you know? So it was kind of fun to bring all that together also.
0: Mm. Where is the fine line between art for art itself and... Then the question of economics, because people sometimes buy works of art or other things because as an ev- investment.
1: Right. Yeah. That's always something if you're going to sell your art. That you think about because I tend to create, since I create from my imagination, I tend to just create what I want. And the hope then is to find your specific audience, like the people who will buy what you create, and not then have you change the way you create to fit the market. So that's the way I've tried to do it. And one way I do that is by. I paint the paintings I want to paint and I do create things from them like functional pieces, tote bags and pillows and stuff, because that becomes the consumable piece of it that people can buy. And I don't have to recreate that painting for them. It will be on a bag or something like that. And that's the way I kind of balance that. But yeah, it's always something you think about because... You do want to create for yourself because that is how you create your own unique voice and what you individually can bring to the world. But you also want, if you're going to sell art, you got to sell stuff that people want. So you kind of have to be sensitive to both. And what I'll say is sometimes people give you feedback and it just isn't right for you. You know, whatever they tell you, it's just not right. And Then you kind of have to balance that with being sensitive to criticism that is right. Because sometimes people give you feedback and you think that is so valuable for me. I need to pay attention to that, you know, but it takes some practice. I mean, you know, otherwise you're going to be influenced by everything and change according to whoever says the last thing to you. And you can't do that.
0: Mm. Well, uh, creating art for the market isn't a thing, really, is it? Uh, uh, a bit like writing for the market because I know there are authors out there who write, so to speak, for the market. Is yeah,
1: exactly. And one reason, I mean, I had written many novels before this. This is the first one that I published mm-hmm. because I had talked with many agents. I talked with different you know, places about publishing my books. And I was never comfortable with whatever they wanted me to write because I felt like it was changing it just a little Mm. too much where it wasn't me. So I just kind of backed off. And that's why I took this time to just write the book I wanted to write and not write for the market and instead do it like I do my art, which is create something that comes from my heart that I really want to create. And then if somebody wants to buy it, great. And if they don't, that's okay and to go about it with that attitude so that's why i did it this way and i'm glad i did because i feel like when you do it that way you will find those people Mm -hmm. who do want what you're offering but just it might take some more time but Mm -hmm. that's okay Mm -hmm.
0: and may also ask because uh, it was a topic in another conversation about the influence of artificial intelligence i mean it's prevalent in the writing process because the works of writers are used for the artificial intelligence to learn from their writing. What about about, uh, arts like painting and and sculpting and so on? Are there any concerns regarding artificial intelligence?
1: Well, I think as a creative, we all have concerns about that because it's it's something that, you know, there is a soul to creation. And I feel that if you're using artificial intelligence, it's not the same. And I don't, I don't like that direction. And also, I, you know, I can't predict the future. I just know that, you know, I used to even work as a freelance writer and a lot of places are using AI for that. And I think that I don't agree with that. So I'm not really you know, thinking that's a good thing and the other creatives I know don't really think it's a good thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that comes out and, you know, what the future holds for all of that. I just know that for me personally, that's just not something I'm excited about.
0: (laughs) Mm, Can imagine. neither are other authors, especially those whose work has been used for the artificial intelligence to learn without getting their permission and so on.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's plagiarism is what it is. And, you know, there's people who plagiarize and then you can, you know, a deal with that problem because sometimes that happens and you can, you know, hold someone accountable. And then with AI, I don't understand how that will be held accountable. But, you know, it's one of those things that is so big. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that have been pre- predicted about the future That have not come true, and then there's other things that have changed our world so dramatically that I couldn't have envisioned at all. So it's really one of those things where I think, well, you know, we have to pay attention to it, and at the same time, not worry about it to the to the point where it stops us from creating.
0: Mm, Yeah, true. And may I ask, how important for you personally as a writer is the writing community? being part of a writing community or knowing they are there and how, if at all, they helped you with your work process or your creation process.
1: I used to, many years ago, be part of writing groups and I'm not as much now just because of time, but I do think knowing other writers and having that community you can go to for everything from emotional support to feedback is really valuable. You know, it's just, oh, I think I hear my doorbell ringing. (laughs) Um, It's just something that, you know, you need to... Um, Find your community that can help you be your best, you know, put out your best product, put out your best creative work. And sometimes writers can do that with a writing group and some writers are better hanging back. But I think having some writer friends um, or artist friends or whatever your creative is, is really valuable. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Does there something
0: exist like a painter's community then? Just like a writing community, sort
1: of. Oh sure, Um, you know there's many writer, uh, many painting groups and artist groups, and I've been a part of them. I am a part of them, and I've met many painters. I've lent many artist friends, and all of that is really valuable for me. Yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, and the support in this group. Is it the same as in the writing community? No backstepping and so on.
1: (laughs) I love being part of artist groups. Like I do feel like, you know, it's a really open, collaborative, supportive group. And I've I've been a member of a few of them. So I haven't found too much of that. You know, I think with creative pursuits, you might have people who are you know, part of more of the negative aspects, jealous or backstabby, whatever. And I try not to even focus on it. You know, if somebody's going to be like that with me, I just think, oh well, okay. You know, moving on. You know, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But um, yeah, there's that element in everything. But overwhelmingly, I found really good friends and supportive people that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially crime fiction authors are very supportive.
1: Oh, I believe it, <laughs> and I think they have the best sense of humor. <laughs> That's true,
0: absolutely. It is absolute fun talking to them and listen to them. I can absolutely agree. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, um, as a writer, is there a certain genre you would absolutely love to write in, but um, have never, let's say, thought of or dared to write?
1: I would love, I'm a big, I, I love Tudor fiction, like everything from that historical period, and I would love to write something, um, you know, with Anne Boleyn as the main character and write some historical fiction. You know, maybe I could hang out with Philippa Gregory or something one day, and you know, we could hang and do our thing. But I, <laughs> I right now, I'm just all writing it. I've got lots of ideas for things like that, but I, I doubt I will ever do it because I don't know if I could do it properly. But yeah. I really appreciate that writing and um, and I read a lot of books from that area. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Maybe one day. Takes a lot of research, <laughs> I suppose, to feel Definitely. comfortable to feel comfortable yeah. with that. And is there a genre you would never ever write because you think not my cup of tea or my cup of coffee?
1: <laughs> um yeah, I don't know, gosh. Uh I like crime fiction. If I if I could research enough to do it well, that would be great. Um, I guess I probably wouldn't write romance because I don't know. I I like reading them, but I don't know if I'm a good romance writer. I don't know. Um, so it would depend on this the story I had in mind. I guess. Yeah, oh, crime
0: fiction. Interesting. More the cozy kind of, or. Do you also feel you would feel comfortable with the more bloody side of crime?
1: Oh, no, definitely cozy. Because, of course, it would have to have some kind of artist in it. Mm. It would have to have some kind of kooky, weird character. I mean, that's the kind that I really like to read. So
0: Ah, I can understand it. And I think the Chattering Teacup would appreciate that. (laughs) She's not the type who enjoys too much gore and blood, you know. I don't mind, yeah. but I also enjoy I also enjoy cozy. Don't get me wrong.
1: Right. Like I could I wish I could create, you know, like Patricia Patricia Highsmith, you mm. know, in that really twisted, you know, Ripley character, but that's not my jam to write in. You know, I love reading it, but I'm more the cozy type of, you know, it, when I'm thinking about stories, I think about the more ridiculous elements, I guess. <laughs>
0: Oh okay yeah but where do you find your stories where do you find your ideas
1: I guess I don't know I mean I guess they just pop up from my imagination just like the paintings do I don't I don't really know sometimes you know they aren't me like but I do sometimes like I'll experience something and then I'll think about it and and then a character will come up that won't be me but yet I'll think well what if this person was more more reacted this way towards what I went through how would that journey be? And then I'll kind of go from there. But it really does depend. I don't know. More like life, I guess. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And given the book we are, we have been talking about, the space between dreaming, where did that idea come from? Or was there a small, a small part of the book that came up, and a character or a scene from which you developed the book? Where where did it all start? Since you said it wasn't it wasn't the painting, but it was the characters.
1: Yeah. I guess it started, you know, I had experienced some of the same things that some of the characters had gone through. And I thought about it, like if if this person was different than I am, like what would that journey be for them? And I started on that way. And the the title of the book, um, it's interesting that you bring up the cupcake game because I had this crazy dream one night about a cupcake game. And I mean, I dreamt about the whole thing, even the rules, the way the the cupcakes looked. And, you know, as an artist, I dream like this a lot. And I woke up and I was telling my husband this dream, but I was babbling so much about, you know, this, this game. And then he said, what are you talking about? You know, like, And I said, I'm kind of in the space between dreaming, like I was still trying to be in this dream, but yet I was awake. And then he said, well, that would be a really good title for the book you're writing, because I was writing a book at the Mm -hmm. time, too. So I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's how that all came together. I think things come together like that sometimes. I don't know. I don't really think too hard about how they, you know, pop in there. But I think if you allow time to kind of just let, you know, I think artists and creatives need a lot of time to play and daydream and, you know, spend time mm-hmm. outside and things like that. And then ideas come, mm-hmm. you know, to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you also like other artists, a person who likes to observe other people? And-
1: oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah
0: and, and spin stories?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm an introvert and I love... Just, I think people fascinate me in general, you know, what makes us all tick. And, you know, I'm often told that I'm a good listener because people will just feel comfortable telling me their stories and I respect them. And then I think, you know, like, how would it be if somebody was different than what this person is experiencing? And my mind will just go from there. But definitely I love seeing how, you know, people observing, I mean, that's my favorite thing to do at craft shows is just seeing how people interact and what they look at and all of that yeah Mm -hmm. and may I
0: also ask what is your greatest regret as a writer
1: oh boy um (laughs) I don't know I guess that I didn't um publish a novel sooner maybe Mm -hmm. I but then again I feel like that's one of those things where it's like would it be the same book that I wanted that I actually wrote now because I'm happy with the book I wrote now I don't know um, it's hard to get into regret because I feel like you can try and look back and try and make your life perfect going backwards, which is really a futile exercise. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I'm here now. And that's all I know.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Especially yeah, uh, if you uh, finished a book as well, because the, the most important thing I, I suppose is finishing your work of art sometimes even as a writer because well especially as a writer because you go back and back again 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 and you never stop going back but at one point you have to tell yourself that's it
1: yeah exactly and I do that I mean my process is I'll write one what I call really bad first draft and I will go all the way through and it'll take me a couple months and then I will spend the rest of the year editing and going back and changing things and And all of that. But a lot of times, I mean, I've written, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven books before this that I didn't publish, Mm. including one when I was 17 that was a crime novel. And it was a gory one. It wasn't even... (laughs) And I don't have it anymore, and I can't imagine how awful it was, so it's probably good that I got (laughs) rid of that one, but um, I feel like all that writing doesn't get wasted either. Mm. So, yeah, I think it is important to finish. I mean, it's a good point, because even in art, you know, you can continue working on paintings forever, and eventually Mm. you have to say, this is complete, and you move on to the next piece.
0: Yeah. And isn't it also, I can't imagine, I have no no idea, but... Wouldn't it be harder when you paint? I mean, going back in the manuscript which you have on your computer, it's easier to go back again and again. But with painting,
1: it's surprisingly easy to go back and just change everything. And and what we call overwork in the mm. art world—a picture just like just go over and over and over to the point mm. where it's like just put this aside. You you're done. You know, but you because you always. I mean, I. As, an, as a writer you kind of see things sometimes you want to change and as an artist then you see the painting before you mm. and I have things like that now where I look at it and think oh, I would do that differently and you mm. see it now it's there before you mm. you know so it's easy to want to take that off the wall and rework it but you kind of have to let it go
0: <laughs> at one point yeah I agree uh, it's like with a novel or a poem at one point you have to say okay that's it moving on right yeah. Moving
1: on. Yeah. yeah. And Jerry,
0: what would be your advice for any other author, artist, writer, poet?
1: My advice is to practice your craft whatever it is. Do it for the practice of it as often as you can. Daily would be great. And to learn what your individual contribution is going to be and not really pay attention to other people hmm. to do it often and regularly and just be concerned with what you're doing and don't worry about writing a bestseller or creating a masterpiece just do your thing good advice and sometimes hard to follow <laughs> definitely but yeah it's um it's it's hard to follow when you want to improve and you start looking at other people and you think, "Well, I wonder if I could do this." You know, I think you really have to be careful about being the type of writer you're meant to be mm-hmm. and um, and being the type of artist you're meant to be. Whatever it is, you're meant to do something that is uniquely you, and you have to figure that out.
0: Especially if authors have role models, sometimes might it be, let's say, a mistake to try too hard to emulate other other authors or even as an artist
1: you know i think there's always a learning process you can learn what you like about what that writer did or didn't do but you then need to figure out how you can why that drew you in why you liked it and then how can you do it yourself or if you should do it yourself
0: Hmm. yeah and what about what about uh, a painter
1: Yeah, it's the same thing with painting and, you know, something like you see paintings everywhere on Instagram, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of writers or a lot of artists rather can, um, you know, see that and then try and work that like what that artist is doing. But you have to take from, I really believe, your own life. I think we go through things for a reason. And that all can inform our creative output. So Mm. instead of looking externally for all of that, I feel like that's fine. You can look and see what's out there in the world, but really focus on yourself. And the best thing is just the practice. I think that's the best way to develop everything. Your writing voice, your artistic voice, all of it. Just keep doing it and it will come on your own. You don't need to look at other people for that.
0: Hmm. Good advice. And very true. And... What about your plans? What can your fans look forward to?
1: Um, Well, I'm working on another novel, and um, it's another, um, not another women's fiction, another women centered fiction type of book. Um, And um, I'm working on a lot of paintings, and I'm working on a lot of different things. I'm always working on a lot of different things. so. So, I'm, I, got a lot of stuff in the in the works and we'll see what happens this year
0: or maybe another game of murder and mischief <laughs>
1: <laughs> who knows I think you should create that that would be so fun No,
0: I'm not good at that because you know I'm absolutely crap at finding out who did it I always try I swear I always try and I give my best and I
1: always fall for the red herrings well that would be fun you could create a game called red herring and then it's <laughs> It's all about that. Yeah, I don't know. Another game, that's always possible. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> exactly. And, Jerry,
0: is there anything else you would like our listeners to know?
1: You know what? Just to visit my website, you know, I keep all my news at my newsletter. I try and send out once or twice a month and keep everybody updated. And uh, Or social media, you know, Sherry Burbach on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, just... I would just appreciate everybody who supports me, buys my book, you know, buys my paintings, whatever it is. I just appreciate everybody because that really, that is something I never thought I'd be doing and I don't take it for granted.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining me for this conversation. It was absolute fun talking to
1: you. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You did enjoy this
0: episode as much as we did. Then hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you like to support us and buy us a coffee, you can do so via Buy Me a Coffee and other platforms. You can find all the necessary links in the description.
1: Until next time!